Bucks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. All right, welcome back. Uh, you know, we had a, a week off there uh, with not a lot of action, but uh, this last week, uh, a lot of action with the Ducks, uh, some movement uh, with some trades, the uh, draft, and um, some offers that were sent out uh, just today, uh, qualifying offers for um, a bunch of the RFAs. So we're going to cover all that. Uh, we have Thomas back with us again to uh, go over the, the prospects, and we'll talk about the draft in general and uh, some of the NHL news. But uh you know, a little uh, craziness, I guess, uh, before the draft, guys. Uh, we saw uh, Palmieri ended up getting traded, and there was uh, some confusion out there on Twitter. Uh, it looked like um, the, the trade was announced, and then it wasn't, and we found out that uh, Palmieri was out of the country, and uh, he ended up going to New Jersey. And uh, what did you think of this trade, Eddie? Did you like it, uh, dislike it, or what was your take? Um, you know, I, I as much as it, it sucks to see a guy go, I think we all – pretty much assumed that it was going to be some either Palmieri, we talked about it before, Palmieri, Edom, you know, those were the guys that we we thought would probably go and, you know, it ends up both of them end up going. And, you know, I, I like the return for him. A second and third is a, is a pretty good return for a guy who played, you know, third line most of the season, uh, relatively inconsistent. And, and either way, he's not going to come back to hurt us playing on New Jersey next season. So uh, I think it was a good return. And then obviously we, we flipped the, the pick in another trade later on. And Thomas, your thoughts on the Palmieri trade? Uh, I, I agree. He was a late first-round pick who's got a great shot, but overall his play is just simply inconsistent. So getting two picks for him is pretty good. And also, more importantly, this clears up some space next season. So instead of having 10 free agents, we now only have nine. And just it's a little easier to resign everyone in a year's time since we're not worrying about resigning Palmieri as well. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, I, uh, you know, he was inconsistent. Um, we talked about it before about him being traded, and then uh, it was kind of uh, ironic because then after that, uh, you know, Edom got traded, and that was another one that Eddie and I had talked about. Um, one of those picks from the Palmieri trade was bundled with Edom, uh, sent to New York for Carl Haglin, and uh, uh, two additional picks from New York, which uh, I really, really like this trade, uh, Eddie. Uh, you know, Haglin brings a lot of speed. Uh, we've already talked about some possible line combinations, and we could see him on the first or second line uh, next season, Eddie. Yeah, and you know, it's not that Edom didn't bring speed either. It's just you bring a guy in who's had a lot more experience um, playing, you know, playing in the NHL. Uh, Edom's been in the minors for for most of his career, and you know, Haglin's been in the Rangers system for a while now, and he, he you know, he played 82 games last season, and. You know, he, he won the uh, fastest skater contest at the All-Star game, too. So uh, Murray said he wanted to add speed, and that was the reason he brought him in. And, you know, he's a little bit of an untapped talent so far. Uh, you know, a little bit underused in uh, in New York. Hasn't played much on the power play. And I think, you know, he could really excel if he gets some time uh, on, on one of the top two lines. Uh, totally agree with you, Eddie. And uh, Thomas, what's your thoughts on Haglin coming over from the East Coast to the Ducks? I really love this trade, and it hurts me to say that because ever since Emerson Eden was drafted, he's been one of my favorite prospects. I was at the draft in 2010 when the Ducks picked him, and it was such a great moment seeing the Ducks pick a California-born player. But Carl Haglin is what we hope Emerson Eden will t- turn into Sunday. So to get that player right now is going to help this team a lot next year. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, touching on uh, the Bolesky situation as well, uh, 
you know, Bolesky, um, as of a couple of days ago, there was no phone calls to Murray. And uh, I talked to Duck Source uh, yesterday about him, you know, going out to another team. So, you know, Haglin can fill one of those spots uh, either on the first or second line. Um, then it should work out. I mean, it, we should, we'll see how it works. But like, like you talked about Eddie, too, he hasn't played as much on the power play. So that's another spot that he can help out in. And uh, I think this is going to be a good trade. Um, it's going to work out well for the Ducks. Um, and then the, uh, the third trade, which was, you know, I think a surprise to most people was, uh, you know, James Wisniewski, he got sent to Carolina, uh, in exchange for Anton Kubitin, uh, goalie, um, kind of a surprise, Eddie, uh, don't you think? Yeah. You know, I like the deal in one sense that they're dropping, you know, his 5 million salary for this season and making room to, to bring in somebody else. But, you know, if you're going to bring in, in somebody else on defense, you know, you could have left Wisniewski as a right-hand shot, uh, you know, bring something to the defense that we really haven't seen because he didn't get to play too much last season and, and not at all in the playoffs. Uh, I, I guess if management has faith in getting another free agent over him that they think will fill a better role, then, you know, all the power to them. And I guess, uh, you know, Murray also said he wants to have more goaltending depth, which, you know, begs the question with Gibson having the two-way contract, if we'll see him start the season in the minors and the role with Kadobin and uh, Anderson. You know, they had the problem with Brzezgalov uh, coming up and LaBarbera last season. So, it, you know, it doesn't hurt having three goalies. It's just a, a confusing trade if they're if they're going to bring up an, another free agent. Yeah, I think that I agree with you, Eddie. It is a little bit confusing. Um, and uh, Thomas, we talked about this too. Uh, what do you think as far as, Gibson and Anderson, uh, you know, how is it going to pan out? You, you think Gibson might uh, play a little bit more uh, in San Diego next season because of this move? Yeah, I mean, when I first heard about this move, I was very confused because I'm, I'm not surprised Wisniewski was dealt after not playing through, at all through the playoffs. I had to think that the relationship between him and the Ducks had soured a little bit, and he was probably going to be on the move. To bring in a goalie, um, I was very surprised by, but upon hearing Murray's comments, um, it made a lot of sense. Like last year, we had Anderson Gibson look set in net with all that youth and all that cap space. And then both got injured. We turned to Jason LaBarbera. We turned to Ilya Brzezgalov. And, and initially, I thought those were going to work out pretty well. And Brzezgalov was, unfortunately, a disaster. It, <laughs> it just didn't work out, unfortunately. I was hoping it would. It didn't. So I really understand why he wants three NHL-ready goalies because – you know, over the last two seasons, this team has dealt with some severe injury issues just drastically both seasons. Um, and losing both your goalie and your backup can just sink a team so quickly. So now we have three NHL goalies in Anderson, Kudobin, and Gibson. Um, of the three, Gibson is on a two-way contract. He doesn't pass through waivers. He'll be in San Diego to start the season. I can almost guarantee it. Um, and that's great for his development. He missed a lot of time last season with injuries, with illness, um, I think at one point he had strep third even. So it's going to give him a chance to reestablish himself and just play a ton of games for San Diego and hopefully win them a lot of hockey games. Um, Kidobin will back up Anderson, and the Ducks will still have a very small cap hit in terms of their goalies and net, and the Ducks should be set there. And if injuries do happen, Gibson can come up and fill in. Um, if two goalies get injured, we have a third one we can still turn to, unlike a year ago. The problem is if three get injured, but let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let's hope that we don't have something like that happen again. Um, what do you think, though, Thomas, as far as Anderson starting? You know, uh, a lot of criticism of Anderson in that last series against Chicago. Are you okay with Anderson starting the season as the number one goalie and then uh, Gibson being in San Diego, um, you know, come fall? 
I'm fine with it. And as I said before, I think in the playoffs, Anderson just got tired because he's never played so much hockey in his entire career, especially those multiple overtime games and games two and four against Chicago. Just, I think, really wore him down. But with how he played overall last season, the first two and a half rounds of the playoffs, he's earned the right to be the Ducks starting going into the season. Uh, the nice thing is Kudobin is a very good backup who, in times the past, has pushed Cam Ward for the starting position, and at times some thought he might even steal it from him outright. So with a goaltender like that behind him, Anderson's going to be pushed to play even better. And also, it's going to let Anderson get more of a rest than, say, when the Barber or Brzezgolov was the backup, because we'll have faith in Kudobin being able to go into the net and win a hockey game for us. So I'm perfectly fine with how the goaltending is working out right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right. I think Anderson will start the season strong, and uh, I think the uh, the extra periods of play in that uh, Chicago series did have an effect on him. Um, I, you know, switching to the de- defense here, I think the issue now is um, with Wisniewski gone and uh, the current status of Boschman still up in the air. Uh, Eddie, what do you do? Do you think you uh, you know try to get Boschman for another year or two, knowing that he's 35, or do you think the Ducks? Uh, Try to go free agency route and try and uh, pick somebody, or maybe uh, you know bring somebody up from uh, the AHL next year. Yeah, uh, you know it's tough to say. I would think um, if they were you know set on bringing him back, they would have you know signed a contract. He'd be back, and and we wouldn't be worrying about it right now. But uh, I think they're going to explore their options. Um, I'm sure Boschman wants to come back to Anaheim and. Uh, but there's a lot of other guys out there. You know, Paul Martin's out there, Mike Green's out there, Andre Sakara's out there. I, I think they're, you know, weighing their options and seeing if there's somebody else they like better. Uh, you know, but uh, if Boschman comes back, I'm sure everybody would ha- be happy too. You know, uh, before we started the show, Thomas, you and I talked about a lot of the free agents, uh, defensemen. Uh, what What do you think as far as some of the guys? You know, as uh, Eddie had mentioned, you know, uh, Green or Martin. Uh, Anybody out there do you think the Ducks should uh, maybe try to go after in the free agency for the defense? Uh, personally, if I could pick one defenseman on the free agent market, it would be Johnny Oduya. Um, the only real concern I have with him is his age. He's already 33, so I don't want to really give him an incredibly long-term contract. But I do think he's the best of those that are available um, you mentioned Paul Martin. I think he's another good, strong two-way defender. He'll put up some points. Um, one interesting one is uh, Yannick Weber. So Vancouver actually failed to give him a qualifying offer this morning. So he actually will be an unrestricted free agent. Um, he put up, uh, I believe it was around 20 points last season. It was a plus four on a not great Vancouver team, even though they finished second in the um, division to us. But I think he, and he's also only 26, so he's the kind of player where if you're going to give him a four- or five-year deal, he's probably going to be pretty good throughout most of that deal, unlike, let's say, if you sign Sakara, if you sign um, Martin, if you sign any of these other guys who are, you know, 30, 32, 33, 34, if you sign him to a four- or five-year deal, they'll be good at the start of it, but by the time it ends, it's probably not going to be not so great play from them just because their age is catching up with them. So I think Yannick Weber would be a really interesting person to target since he is now an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, I think you make a good point. Uh, you know, we've traded with Vancouver before. Um, you know, that may be an option. We've also traded with Pittsburgh as well. So Martin may be a good option. Also, you know, Martin being six foot one and uh, shooting from the left side as well could fit in there. Uh, I think the only other options maybe, um, you know, they've talked about this, but they're they're not going to rush uh, Shea Theodore. Uh, there's also um, Josh Manson uh, that they could bring up as well. 
Um, I, I wouldn't put it past the Ducks. I mean, I would like for them to go get one of these guys, Eddie. Uh, I think to help out if, if uh, Boschman's, you know, only a one year or, or doesn't come back at all. But I wouldn't be surprised for the Ducks to try to go with the youth uh, maybe come the beginning of the season. Yeah, you know, I, I just think with dumping Wisniewski's cap, I, I feel like they're wanting to make a play. And, uh, you know, more more likely in free agency, I, I don't think they would make another trade. Uh, you know, if there's not a trade made by July 5th or 6th, I think they're pretty much done looking for a trade. I, I think they'll test their waters in, uh, in free agency first and, and see who they can snap up. But they've got a lot of cap space, and if they're in to win it now, I think they've got to sign somebody with some experience and instead of bringing up some youth into a you know to an already young team yeah and you make a good point there uh, you know we talked about the cap space uh, you know being 24 uh plus million uh with all the moves that they did and uh obviously not signing Bolesky, you know he could have had 16 million over four years and uh that was rejected right away so uh that's not going to happen so there's plenty of room to go out there and get another uh experienced defenseman um, and it should be interesting to see, you know, um, turn into the draft. Uh, the Ducks' first pick was a defenseman, uh, Jakob Larsson. Um, and, and, you know, this was kind of the uh, the Swedish draft, I guess we talked about, Thomas. Uh, a lot of people making uh, jokes on social media about it. But what did you think of the Ducks' uh, first pick and, um, you know, all the other picks as well? A lot of centers were uh, taken by the Ducks in this draft. Yeah, so I was surprised by this pick initially just because, as you said, the Ducks – um, they took the last centers later in the draft. I thought they were going to take the first round with the draft just because we need centers in our system. But Larson is such a Bob Murray pick. He's a smooth skating defenseman from Sweden. I mean, Hampus home, Marcus Peterson. These are the kind of players <laughs> Murray loves to draft. Um, he, he was described, uh, someone put it as a Hampus home light. He's not going to be a top pairing guy, but he'll be a top four guy. He's an excellent skater. Um, not very physical, He's not going to put up a ton of points, but he does have a good shot. Um, very, very good under pressure. He compares himself to um, – he says he plays like Oliver Ekman Larson. He's not going to reach Ekman Larson's numbers just because Ekman Larson is one of the probably five best young defenses in the game right now. But just the fact they patterned his game off of Ekman Larson is a very good sign, I think. And, Eddie, what do you think about the first pick uh, and any of the other picks uh, by the Ducks? Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was a good pick. Um, you know, there's a couple other guys out there. Like if, uh, you know, I would have liked them to see a drafted center first. You know, Nick Merkley ended up going 30th to Arizona. He was still out there. And, you know, a couple other upper centers. Uh, Mitchell Stevens was out there and went to Tampa Bay Lightning. And you know, there, there's a, like, a couple guys they could have drafted. Jansen Harkins went to Winnipeg eventually. Philip Shalapik went uh, right after that to Ottawa. Uh, but, you know, it's not a bad pick. And, and like uh, Thomas said, it's a typical Murray pick. Uh you know, a, a carbon copy of, of Lindholm in a way, a, a two-way defenseman from Sweden. So, you know, I, I don't hate the pick. I, I just think there, there was a couple other guys they might have been able to draft in front of him. And, uh, Thomas, as far as the, you know, the other picks, uh, you know, we had your article up there. Uh, obviously, uh, you thanks also for helping cover this weekend. I, I was really busy uh, with some personal stuff, uh, so I appreciate it. But what did you think as far as uh, some of the other picks, uh, you know, with Gates and Sideroff and whatnot? What did you think? Did you like them? Were they okay? Uh, I know you were, you, it was a little bit different than what you predicted, but uh, what, what did you think? So overall, the Ducks picked six more players in the final uh, six rounds of the draft. Three of them are centers. Well, two are centers, one's a center slash right winger. Um, I think it was a, they made some very good picks. So their second round pick... Um, 
how do you pronounce that guy's name? Uh, Julius Natnan, I believe, is how you say it. Sounds right. Um, you know, he's finished. He's going to spend a couple of years in Finland playing in the legal league, and uh, he's just a very, very good, solid pick. Um, he's a big guy. He uses his size effect effectively. Um, some people have called him Ange- uh, Kopitar Light. Um, so if he turns anywhere into anything like Kopitar, this is a great pick. Um, he just, to me, screams second line center. Uh, so he's not going to be someone to say take over for Getzloff someday, but as a future Ryan Kessler position, he'd just be perfect for that role. Uh, Gates in the third round, he was a little riskier just because he's missed the second half of this past season after a really, really bad uh, ankle injury, I believe it was, uh, in late December, early January. Um, but the Ducks said they did their homework. Um, they scouted him a lot before that injury. They talked to the um, doctors through the surgery. He's healing nicely. He's back on the ice. He's skating. Um, so it sounds like he's like a full recovery. And if he does, um, he could be another effective center for the organization. Uh Sidorov, Sidorov, do you know how to pronounce that one? I, I, I think you're pretty close. <laughs> However you say it, all these kids with their very, very <laughs> strange names. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I missed the rounds two through seven. I was asleep because I forgot it started at 7 a.m. and I got up at 10. I was like, oh, hey, look, everything's already over. <laughs> but um, Yeah, and a lot of trades, too, were going on before. Yeah. So he's got a pretty good shot, but he still needs to grow in physical maturity. He's kind of a small guy. Um, the Ducks actually first really noticed him at the uh, World Junior Under-18 tournament where he played for Team Canada. He scored uh, three goals and four points in seven games, and that's what really put him on the radar for the Ducks. And they said, you know what? Let's take a flyer on the guys, give it a shot. Um, Terry was the final player that was, the, sorry, the final center the Ducks took on Saturday. Um, the Ducks actually liked him so much they kept trying to trade up for the draft to get to him because they were really worried someone else was going to take him. But thankfully, he was able to fall to them. And uh, the Hockey News actually said that he, they did a piece upon um, the best sleeper pick for every team. And for the Ducks, that was Troy Terry. Um, he was a, they call him a responsible pivot who can also chip it on the score sheet. He's also one of the youngest players in the draft, meaning his potential is a little harder to gauge than some of the others because he's a close to a year younger than, say, Connor McDavid, who was born, I think, two days after the draft deadline, whereas Terry was born just before it. So he could have some really untapped potential that we simply don't know about. And he's someone who I'm really excited to watch develop. Um, he'll be at the University of Denver starting next season. Uh, he'll stay there for a couple of seasons before he thinks about turning pro. Uh, Ruggiero was the second defenseman the Ducks picked in the draft after Larson. Um He's a big physical defenseman. The Ducks don't have a lot of that. Almost every single defenseman we talk about is just the smooth, hamper home type skater. There's not a big, physical, mean guy in there. We had that in Matt Clark, but he didn't work out, so we traded him at the deadline. So Ruggiero is kind of the heir apparent to that, just big, physical, mean, third pairing. I'm going to go out on the ice and just hit you. Uh, with the last pick, the Ducks wanted to take a goaltender regardless of who else was available. Um, and I think to me that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist went, two, went 205th overall 15 years ago. And then we have goalies who go in the first round, um, say Rick Pietro, who went first overall, who had a couple of nice seasons, and then his career just went off the rails. So picking a goalie late, I think, makes a lot of sense. Um, they picked Metcalf. They liked what they saw in him. He's a big goalie. Um, he's going to play at the University of Massachusetts Lowell next season. Uh, he's one who... 
he's got a shot turning pro. Um, you know, six, seven hundred picks. There aren't great odds of these players working out. But as I said, goalies are so hard to predict that I think it's always a great idea to take them with those late picks. And you never know. They may have found that next diamond in the rough, the next Henrik Lundqvist. All right. And uh, Eddie, what, what do you think as far as these uh, you know picks uh, after the first round? you like most of them or any other uh, thoughts? Yeah, I, I think there's a good strategy to it. You know, they picked the defenseman first. They followed up right after with the two centers to, you know, sort of replenish uh, the farm system a bit in that position and, you know, drafting the winger and, and a center winger after that. And, you know, following up with a goalie is always good. And, you know, now the news today that they haven't um, offered a qualifying offer to Bobkov, you know, that putting Metcalf in there now kind of fills that spot up if they decide not to bring him back. So I think all in all, it was a, a pretty good draft. You know, I, I, I don't think they stand out as, as doing the best job at the draft, but with what they had, I think they did a really good job. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, you know Bobkoff wasn't uh, given a qualifying offer today. The uh, the Ducks gave out the uh, the news that they sent out qualifying offers to Silverberg, Haglin, uh, Chris Wagner, and Zerboza. So it looks like those are the guys that they're going to try to go after right now. Um, you know, I saw some confusion out there. People asking about qualifying offers. Uh, uh, Thomas, can you talk a little bit about the qualifying offers? Because some people thought that uh, you know some of the players are going to be resigned off of these, which. You know, you know, it should be the case, but uh, you know, there's a little bit of details to be worked out. So basically, if a team offers a player a qualifying offer, it means we will continue to control their rights. So they're, um, we control a player, I believe it's seven years after their entry-level contract starts. So if they sign a three-year entry-level contract, when that expires, the player is a restricted free agent if the team chooses to give them a qualifying offer. Now, a qualifying offer doesn't mean they're signed, um, however, sometimes the offer sometimes does become the contract. At this point in time, for Silverberg, for Wagner, for Scarbosa, it's um, there are three options. They can either accept the qualifying offer, that one-year deal, and that's the contract for next season, um, or the Ducks and the player can negotiate a longer-term deal, um, presumably for more money, although that's not always a guarantee. And then the third option is sending an offer sheet from another team, although that's a pretty rare thing, and I'm not too worried about that happening. If someone tries to sign Silverberg to an offer sheet, the Ducks can pretty easily match that contract with all of their cap space that they have. I mean, right now, the Ducks are actually below the cap floor, which is a great position to be in going into free agency in a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, the other thing... Go ahead. Sorry. That's fine. Go ahead. The other thing about uh, qualifying offers is um, the amount of each contract that, uh, for the qualifying offer depends upon the contract the player had the previous season. So if the player made less than 660000 in the previous season, and the qualifying offer has to be um, 110% of the previous season's salary. If they made up to a million dollars, it has to be 105%. And if they made over a million dollars, the qualifying offer only has to be the previous salary. So it, um, Silverberg, I think, made 600000 650000 last season. So the qualifying offer the Ducks made to him today, it'll be that amount plus 10%. So it's about if he made 600000 it's now 660000 will be the minimum contract he'll sign going into the next season. Unless, of course, he chooses to negotiate a lower contract, but I don't think that's going to happen two seasons in a row. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, and I think on these contracts, uh, looking at these players uh, that they're talking about today, I think uh, Silverberg and Hagelin especially will probably get you know a couple years uh, added to their uh, contracts, Eddie. Yeah, you would expect Silverberg and Haglin to negotiate a longer-term contract, and 
Um, you know, Scarbosa is pretty much the guy I would expect to accept the qualifying offer. Uh, Wagner's a, a little different story. You know, he played a couple games last season. Um, I, you know, he could take the qualifying offer one year and then, you know, see how he does this season if he gets more playing time and ask for more money next season. Or, you know, he can nego- negotiate a, a bridge contract, a, a one or two year deal with a little bit more money if, if, uh, you know, if him and his agents are feeling a little bit gutsy. But, uh, I think you know we're guaranteed that Hagelin and Silverberg will extend. Uh, I think the the question just comes down to Wagner if he'll accept the qualifying offer or ask for a little bit more money. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, you're right on, on as far as the situation with the four players. I think Wagner's probably the only one that's a little bit of a question mark. Um, you know, uh, of the non-qualifying players, uh, the one that kind of surprised me. I mean, I know we took Metcalf in the uh, the draft, but Thomas, I was kind of surprised that Bobkoff wasn't given. A qualifying offer? Do you think the Ducks are just uh, pretty much done uh, with him, or what do you, what do you think the deal is going to be? I mean, so the Ducks used besides Gibson primarily uh, a couple goaltenders that might like from last season, Bob Cuff, and also um, the other guy uh, Ryan Farragher. I think is how you pronounce the name. I'm not quite sure. Neither of them had great seasons, so I do think the Ducks are probably going to move on from both of them. However, just because they weren't qualified doesn't mean the Ducks can't still negotiate with them. Um, that's not a very common occurrence, but last year the Ducks didn't qualify Matthew Perot, but they still were negotiating with him before he signed in Winnipeg. So the Ducks do want to. They can talk with both these goalies and try and get one or two of them signed to play in San Diego next season. I think that it's more likely the Ducks are going to look at the free agent market and go after another Jason LaBarbera to back up Jason to back up John Gibson in San Diego next season. Yeah, that does seem like a likely uh, scenario. And uh, going forward, uh, you know, we looked at the defense as far as, uh, you know, options for the Ducks and the free agency. Um, you know, with Bolesky most likely being gone, uh, Eddie, do you think there's any other maybe left wingers that the Ducks try to go after? I mean, obviously we have Haglin. You know, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Sekatch uh, having a more expanded role next year. But is there any other left wingers that you would like to see maybe, uh, not necessarily in a trade, but, you know, uh, free agency or whatnot? Uh, well, I would love to see Cordillis get a shot as well, and I think it's hard to know exactly what they're planning on doing. I'm sure they're, you know, they want to see if Cordillis or even Nick Ritchie could make it out of camp. But you know, there there are a couple guys in there. Joel Ward could, uh, you know, he plays right wing primarily, but uh, you could always push him over to the left. I, I would like to see you know him possibly sign. Uh, Michael Frolik played with Winnipeg last year and was. Uh, you know, it was a pretty good. He played with the Blackhawks when they won the cup too. He's got some experience. Uh, can play a two-way game. Can score some goals for you too. So he wouldn't be a, a bad one either. And you know, if you can sign Eric Cole for a cheap one too, uh, you know, he could always provide some third-line depth. So there's some guys out there they could sign. Uh, but I wouldn't spend too much money or, or put out too much term for some of these guys. And Thomas, what do you think? You feel the same way uh, as far as any winger positions? I agree. Just if the Ducks, whoever they do sign, it's going to be a one or two year deal, um, like the Heatley and the Parent deals over the last couple of seasons. Short term, short amount of money. So if it doesn't work out, they can move on. And if it does work out and helps the team, great. But it's going to be something that the Ducks can get out of if it doesn't work. They don't want to, you know, go inside Matt Cullen to a five year, $40 million deal. That's just going to screw the team over. The team has a ton of cap space. They just want to make sure they have enough cap space next season as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the likely uh, scenario, too, is if they would go for someone, they would try to do maybe a one- or two-year deal at most. They wouldn't try to go for another. You know, I think Haglin was really the the big steal of the day, uh, you know, given the situation with the, the cap space that New York had to deal with. So I think that was the key. 
Um, you know, looking around the league, there was some other news today. Um, was kind of interesting uh, in L.A. Uh, the Richards uh, situation uh, looked like his contract was going to be bought out. It looked like uh, the Kings were going to have to pay him twenty-one uh, million uh, up to two thousand twenty-five. And then the uh, news came out today that the uh, the Kings terminated his contract for a material breach, which uh, they didn't describe what that material breach was. Uh, there's a lot of rumors going around what it could be. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a trip to Vegas was stole or something. I don't know. But uh, there were some things going on. Um, you know, what do you think about this situation, Eddie? You know, some people were even you know saying, hey, you know, let's go sign Richards for a year, which I kind of laughed at. But uh, what do you think uh, as far as Richards and and the future and kind of all the uh, the craziness with the CBA rules? Yeah, you know, it just kind of adds to the controversy coming out of the players in LA. You know, first it was Voinov, uh, you know, then it's Stoll, and now it's Mike Richards. And uh, we all assumed he was probably going to get bought out anyway, but now with them terminating his contract. Uh, it's a little bit stickier situation than uh, we had thought. You know, it's not, obviously it's not a big deal. It's LA. You know, it doesn't really doesn't really bother me too much. But you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if he ends up picking up uh, a contract for a team this season or not. Now with them terminating his contract. Yeah, and Thomas, what do you think as far as you know? Because you know the uh, Kings cap situation is completely opposite of ours. You know, we have all this room and. They don't have a lot, and now it seems, you know, the word is they're trying to go after Sakara and Justin Williams now, which, you know, Williams' name has also been thrown around as one that the Ducks might want to try to pursue. Uh, what do you what do you think about, uh, you know, them trying to go after Williams or Sakara, or, if, you know, the Ducks want to go after one of those players, because that's been mentioned as well. I wouldn't mind either of those players in Anaheim, but I also wouldn't want to give either of them a long-term deal that I think they'll be looking for. Um, of the two, I would probably pick Sakara. He's the younger one. Um also playing defense, that's just something you always need more of in the NHL these days. Um, as for the whole situation itself, it's very strange, I think is the way I would put it. Um, the Kings actually still will have to pay some, according to Bob McKenzie, cap recapture penalties, but I don't quite understand how all that works. Um, personally for me, though, I want to know what happened. Why exactly is it being terminated? Are the Kings... Did they find some very ticky-tacky little thing and usually pull to get out of this contract because they don't want to pay him? Or is it actually some egregious thing he did that he deserves to have his contract terminated? And I just really want to hear what that reasoning is. And if it was just some ticky-tacky thing, then I really hope the NHLPA sues. But if Richards did actually something really, really bad, like let's say if he was with Stoll or if he did something else that was equally as bad, then I'm perfectly fine with what the Kings are doing right now. Yeah, it should be interesting because, you know... Uh... Lombardi found out this news, I guess, on Friday, and uh, he was in the works to, uh, you know, trade Richards. So he ended up not doing that and terminated that. So at least he did the right thing. Granted, whatever news he found out, I mean, obviously we don't know the extent of it, and uh, maybe we'll find out soon. Uh, you know, maybe in a court of law we may find out too. I mean, it's going to be interesting. But uh, you know, looking around the league right now and the way things have gone with the trades and the draft. Uh, any winners or losers, Eddie? Uh, you know, I know Boston kind of had a weird draft, and uh, you know some other teams have gotten stronger, like Calgary and whatnot. What What do you think as far as uh, just overall this past weekend? Who Who did you like that made moves, or who didn't you like that made moves? Uh, I think if you gotta pick, there's there's a lot of winners, but I think if you gotta you gotta pick three, I really like what Philadelphia did, being able to get rid of Chris Pronger's contract and. Uh, you know, picking up Konecki late in the draft and getting Provorov, which was a a big move for them. Uh, even picking up that third round pick for Ronaldo today, and you know they're they're already a good team. They've got Voracek and Giroux, and 
a little bit of goaltending problems, but they did draft two goalies too. I think they just did a really good job picking who they wanted. Uh, I think Buffalo, you know, obviously getting Jack Eichel, but then being able to pick up Ryan O'Reilly and Jamie McGinn and picking up Robin Lehner and that, I think they did a really good job trading on draft day, not just drafting, obviously, you know, being able to pick a franchise player like Jack Eichel is really great for them, but now they've got Sam Reinhardt, Cody Hodgson, Ryan O'Reilly, all those guys down the middle. That's a, a great start for them. And, you know, obviously the Edmonton Oilers, I think not just getting to draft Connor McDavid, but uh, picking up Cam Talbot, uh, Griffin Reinhardt, uh, Eric Greiber, those are some you know good pickups for them and, and putting them in the right direction. And Thomas, what, what are your thoughts on this weekend, winners and losers from the draft and trades? And I agree. Edmonton and Buffalo and Philadelphia, they all had just great weekends. Uh, in terms of losers, though, the big one has got to be Boston. Um they traded franchise defenseman Dougie Hamilton, and they got an okay return. Not great. Um, it was a first-round pick and two second-rounders, which um, if he'd been signed to an offer, is actually a better deal than that compensation would have been. But still, trading him for so little just is not good. And then uh, they also traded Milan Lucic to L.A., uh, and that deal actually was pretty good. They got another first-rounder, they got a backup goaltender, and they got a very highly-rated defensive prospect. So that was actually, I think, a pretty good deal for them. The issue for them is then the draft, they picked 13, 14, 15, just all in a row. And the first player they picked, uh, Jakob Zaboral, uh, from all it sounds like he's going to be a great defenseman for them. The second player they picked, Jake DeBrusque, he's a scoring winger who I thought actually the Ducks might be targeting at 27th overall. And most people have him as a late first round pick. So it was surprising to see him go that early. They could have traded down and gotten him, you know, 20th, 25th pretty easily. But that third first-round pick, Zachary uh, Seneshen, I think is how I pronounce his name, that was the reach. Most people had him as a second-round pick. I think a few even had him in the third round. He could turn into a very good player, but most just thought Boston could have traded down and gotten more depth on their roster and still made these exact same picks. Uh, from what sounds like the running theory for the NHL is that Boston was trying to package those picks and move up in the draft, um, possibly target uh, Noah Hannafin, taking fifth over by Carolina, and they were trying to get him, but the trade didn't work out, and they just went with the players they'd been drafting and scou- uh, scouting and drafted them instead. Um, so they had a pretty poor weekend. Uh, I also think L.A. didn't have a very good weekend. Yes, they got Milan Lucic, and they got Boston to eat almost half the salary this season, and that's actually a very, very good move. Uh, however, in the long run, it's not a great move because L.A. didn't have a first-round pick this season, They trade and they trade the first-round pick next season as well. So that's two years in a row with no first-round pick, um, and they're going to have a really hard time uh, re-signing Lucic next season. Uh, he's making $6 million right now, and you got to figure he wants to make at least that much money, if not more, which is one of the reasons why Boston was looking to trade him. And I just don't think L.A. can afford him at that point, um, especially if they manage to re-sign this summer one of uh, Williams or Shakira. Because next summer, they're going to have to start looking at re-signing Kopitar, who's going to get a huge raise. So I just think it's a lot to give up for one year of Lucic. So they're going to be a very nasty team this season with him, but after this season, I just don't think it's a very good deal for them. Yeah, and you, you know, that was the first comment I think a lot of people told me as soon as uh, Lucic went to the Kings, because you know, some people had said, hey, we should go get him. And uh, you know, if you remember the Ducks game uh, against Boston, uh, you know, Wagner and Lucic went at it, and Lucic went out with a few other uh, Ducks players. So I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, next season, the, uh, the schedule's out, but uh, the Ducks and the Kings don't meet uh, until mid-January around my birthday. So, 
it's going to be kind of interesting, uh, Eddie, when they meet. I, th- I think it's going to – I mean, not that the games aren't nasty as they already are, but I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, um, season series or freeway uh, face-off between the two teams, Eddie. Yeah, and all, all teams uh, – all both teams are going to be building up steam throughout the season, and you know they're going to be hitting each other mid-season. And, and you know, that's a late time to, to hit a rival, and then they're going to be playing each other, you know, I believe five times uh, – in that second half part of the season, so that's gonna and they're gonna be important games. I'm I'm sure both of them are gonna be fighting for the Pacific Division title next year. So, they're gonna be some heated games, and especially with Lucic being added to the mix, that's gonna be uh, interesting to watch for sure. And uh, you know, in addition to the uh, the Kings obviously being a you know a battle uh, next season, what do you think, uh, Thomas? You know, uh, the Sharks kind of revamped a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they got that much better, but they they've gotten a little bit better. Or what do you think? Uh, you know, Calgary's gotten a little bit better as well. You think there's um, which which one of those teams do you think would uh, also kind of give the Ducks a run? You know, I mean, assuming the Ducks are going to do well and and you know be tops in the Pacific again next season. Uh, to me, the most improved team in the Pacific Division, if not the entire NHL right now, is the Calgary Flames. They already had one of the better defenses in the West um, until Mark Giordano went down. A healthy Mark Giordano plus Dougie Hamilton is going to give them an amazing defense next season. Um, so I think they're the most improved team, especially once you know Johnny Goudreau was so great last season. He'll be even older. He'll be even better. They're going to be a very, very good team. Uh, Edmonton, I think, will be better. I don't think they're playoff bound quite yet. Um, I think McDavid is going to win them some games, though. Uh, but I don't think they're quite there. But they will be better. They're not going to, you know, be five easy games like they have in the past. Uh, LA is going to be just nasty to play against <laughs> next season. Just uh, those games are going to be an all out war. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, San Jose, I'm not quite sure. I, I, I don't think San Jose is done making moves. I think. And last summer, it was supposed to be the summer of change, and they stripped Thornton of the captaincy, and that was literally it. I think this summer they're actually going to make big changes. Um, so I want to see what they do before I say how good or bad they're going to be. If they stand as they are right now, I think they'll be a very dangerous team. Uh, the Ducks struggled against them last season in almost every single game they played against them. But I'm not sure if they're playoff bound either. Um, and then, uh, who am I forgetting? Arizona. Thank you, Arizona. Arizona will be the whipping boy of the division <laughs> next season. I, I hate to say He'll it. will be the whipping boy of the really whole NHL for the next season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, to me, they are going to be this year's Buffalo. They're going for an awesome Matthews yeah, next year. Yeah, Phoenix, uh, Glendale native too, so I'm pretty sure they really want him. Yeah, you know that that's another uh, sticky situation. You know, I was talking about you know lawsuits and all that stuff. They got to figure out what's going to go on in the city there. Um, you know, there's been talks, obviously, uh, you know, they had the award show this past week and they're talking about expansion. Uh, the stadium in Las Vegas is, uh, you know, nearly uh, built, at least on the outside. They're still working on the inside. And, uh, you know, there's been talks of Quebec getting a team back. Uh, what do you think, Eddie? You think the, the Coyotes uh, move within the state or do you think that they, you know, go to another state or go to Canada? Well, they, they improved the bit of expansion, I believe, um, at the GM meetings when they, they changed a couple of rules around as well. But uh, I don't know. It's it's tough. Uh I think the Coyotes still have a chance. Um, you know, it's a little bit slimmer now than they had before. But um, you know, the Seattle's obviously um, a one that I think would be great. Uh, Quebec City's another one. God, there's been talk of Kansas City. 
uh, Markham, uh, Ontario near Toronto, and obviously Las Vegas. I think the NHL ultimately wants a team in Las Vegas, and that would probably be one of the next ones. And um, but you know, I, I think the two most viable are probably Seattle and, and Quebec City. But you know, in the end, it's up to the NHL, and they're the ones who are going to make the decision. Any thoughts on uh, Arizona and their situation, Thomas? I just, I really hope this gets sorted out soon, finally, finally, because there's been a few times they've said, oh, it's final, they're staying, and then it's just gone back, and clearly not been. And I just feel so bad for, A, the fans of the team, just because they have no idea from day to day if they're going to have a team, and that's just a terrible situation. I feel really bad for the players because they don't know where they're going to play. And then I also just really feel bad for all the team employees because pretty much any day this summer there's a chance they could lose their job with no commentation and nowhere to turn to unless they want to move with a team to wherever it goes. And so I just feel really bad for those three groups of people. And for their sakes, I hope this is sorted out soon. Um, personally, I hate seeing teams move. Um, I wasn't happy when Atlanta moved to Winnipeg a couple of years ago. I mean, I'd love that Winnipeg has a team back. I just wish it had been through expansion and not a team leaving because I always just feel so bad for that fan base that's there and has put their... Even if it's a small fan base, there are enough fans that have put their heart and soul into that team that it just is really, truly heartbreaking. Um, but regardless of if they stay or if they move, I hope it's decided soon. Uh, in terms of expansion, um, Eddie, you listed off all the most likely scenarios. Um, if I had to personally pick, uh, my number one choice is Seattle. I think the NHL needs a team in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Seattle or Portland, either one of them I think would be great. The Portland Winter, Winterhawks um, in the, I believe it's WHL, are a very good team they know to draw well so i think a team would work in either one of them and then for me personally i'd love a team in vegas just because vegas is fun to go to but i don't very often if you put a team there i've got more reason to go there have a good time <laughs> and see a hockey game i mean to me that's just the best of both worlds so i would love a team in vegas personally that being said i just don't know how well having a team in vegas is gonna work yeah that's what eddie and i had talked about before uh, it's going to be an interesting situation if they, you know, indeed do get a team there, which it seems likely. Um, you know, I guess the only other uh, news that really came out was uh, some of the rule changes. Uh, we had talked about these before, Eddie, and uh, they ended up going with some of them that we had talked about. Uh, they're going to have the coaches challenge for the uh, goalie interference plays, also the faceoffs, uh, and then you know, kind of a little bit interesting. But the overtime is going to change now. It's it's not going to be uh, four on four at all. It's going to be a five minute three on three. So. What do you think about the rule changes, Eddie? Well, I'm really liking the three-on-three three just because the Ducks are a really fast and, and deep team on the blue line and up on, on forward. So I think that's going to definitely work to their favor against some of the slower teams. And, you know, some of the games we lost in shootout or overtime last season, we might end up picking up some some extra points and wins, and you know, that's just going to help us. But you know, either way, we're going to make the playoffs. I don't think that's that's really an issue. But, you know, the coach's challenge is an interesting one. Um I can't really wait to to see how it's going to really pan out. I want to see the first instance of of it coming into play and and how well it works to see if it's really a good decision or not. And Thomas, your thoughts on the rule changes? So for the three on three, I mean, for several years now, I've been wanting the NHL to change overtime to do four on four for five minutes and then three on three for five minutes. But um, based upon all reports, the players don't want to play that extra time which is why the NHL went with just three-on-three three straight instead of four-on-four four before it. Um, which, so I understand why they're doing that, and personally, I'm really excited. Uh, it does make me sad, though, that Scott Niedemar is no longer playing, just because I remember the Ducks had a few three-on-three three situations that he played in back in the day, and it was so much fun to watch. 
But for the Ducks, I just want to see them say, put Ryan Kessler, Carl Hagelin, and Andrew Cogliano, and just let them skate around the ice at full <laughs> speed. It'll be so much fun to watch. And then you look at other rosters, like um, in Chicago, put Taze, Kane, and Keith on the ice. That's going to be such amazing hockey. Or in Pittsburgh, you've got Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Almost every team, you can just pick up three superstars or really fast skaters, and it's going to be so much fun to watch. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, especially once team, especially early on, because teams and players are going to take some adjustment period, and that's going to just lead to some, I think, just crazy scenarios to watch. Yeah, I, uh, and, I agree with you on that. I think that uh, you know it's it's going to be uh, some of these overtimes are probably not going to get uh, to shootouts as much, Thomas. Yeah, and that's the whole point is they want less shootouts and. I agree. I mean, I prefer a shootout to a tie, and I think a shootout, some of them are very, very entertaining, but I also think a shootout sometimes can be anticlimactic. I've also long wanted the shootout to be a best of five instead of best of three, because best of three just seems a little silly. Best of five seems a little better to me. So I'm glad that there will be less shootouts. I'm also glad there still won't be ties. Um, regarding the coaches challenge, uh, I'm with Hedy. I want to see what happens when it first starts being used. Um, I'm not a big fan of it personally. I'd rather just them have goalie interference be reviewable regardless. Uh, that would be my personal preference. But, I mean, other sports have it. Uh, it seems to work pretty well in football. So I'm not opposed to giving it a try and just seeing what happens. But, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of it. But I am still waiting to see on it. Yeah, I mean, you're both right on that. I mean, we're going to have to check and see it out. I think it's a step in the right direction, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it gets worked out. And, uh, you know, for everybody that's missing hockey, uh, hockey's going to be back uh, actually this weekend, uh, July 4th and July 6th. They're going to have the uh, development camp over at Anaheim Ice. Those are going to be 1030 um, start times that they're going to be out there. And uh, admission is free. Uh, The Ducks are suggesting that you make a $5 donation uh, at the door. But uh, technically, it is free. You can go watch. Uh, all the draft picks will be there as well from uh, this last uh, weekend. And um, the only other uh, big news, and it's uh, good news, is uh, Chris Pronger uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, Eddie. And uh, also for you know a short time, we had Fedorov as well. He was in there and several other players as well. Yeah, and this one quick note about uh, development camp two is uh, the Ducks invited, I believe, Nathan Noel from the uh, – uh, it's either Ramuska or the St. John Sea Dogs. They uh, they brought him, yeah they brought him on, and uh, I'm really excited to see how well he does. He went undrafted, but uh, you know, he had a really great season, and, and I watched him play a couple games uh, on Sports, and he looks like a really good pick uh, for sure. But uh, as for Pronger going into the Hall of Fame, I think everybody was you know pretty much guaranteed that him and Lidstrom would be going in, and you know it's kind of funny with him just being traded that he's going to the Hall of Fame and he, he's an NHL executive <laughs> being traded but you know and then Fedorov's another guy going in obviously played a couple seasons in Anaheim but he's you know really going in for his work with the the Troy Red Wings but you know, I, I think it's a good class and and you know, all these guys deserve to be going in so it'll be it'll be fun to watch Pronger go in for sure though uh any thoughts uh Thomas on the Hall of Fame inductees I mean, there's no question that Pronger deserves to be in there, but I do think it's a little awkward that he is technically under contract and was just traded and is going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, to me, that doesn't ring quite right, and it rings Sally Cup to convention, but, I mean, I'm he deserves to be in there. There's no question about that. So the issue I have with him being nominated is nothing on him. It's on how the league is handling the situation. Um, I think when he retired three years ago, 
that Philly should have had to deal with the cap issues of his retirement, but instead they allowed him to be quote-unquote active but on long-term injured reserve. Um, so I don't like that aspect of it, but I do think he deserves to be there, no question. Um, Fedorov, yeah, he was a duck for a short time, but still it's cool to see him in there. Uh, the interesting thing I saw tweeted out earlier today is with Fedorov and Lidstrom both going into the hall, um, this will give the 2002 Detroit Red Wings, the Stanley Cup winner that year, 10 Hall of Famers <laughs> from that team so far. Jeez, it's amazing. <sighs> and they also had, I believe, um, Pavel Datsuk on that team, so it's going to be 11 uh, after he retires. So that is an amazing team. The cool thing about that is most of that team, not all, but m- most of them were back the next season, and that's the year the Ducks swept them in the first round. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, well, that's going to wrap up everything for this week, folks. Uh, make sure you check uh, back on Facebook. We're giving away uh, you know, merchandise all uh, summer long. Uh, you just go to facebook.com slash ducksandpucksblog. And, uh, you know, we'll be trying to do podcasts every week. Uh, just depending on the news, we may skip a week here or there. But uh, that's it from our end. And uh, we'll keep you updated. See you in a week or two.